we had uh, somebody come to the church. They, they first started watching our Wednesday night <clears throat> class that we were doing on the end times. And, and then they decided to come to church. And he's very uh, into the Bible and very, you know, studious. And, and this came up, and all this stuff. And he's going, no, no, that's, no, that's not right. And he was, you know, speaking out loud in the back row back there. So I went up behind him. And finally the white lights came up and he goes, oh, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you know, the uh, friend was, uh, they get ready for church with all the kids. You know, they had a bunch of kids and the mother would always come over and say, now make sure you use the restroom before we go to church. We don't want you to interrupt the service by using the restroom, so use the restroom before we go to church. Every week she'd say that. And one Sunday they were all getting ready to go, and the husband totally forgot. And they got in the car, they drove to church, and he's sitting there and they're having the first song, and he's thinking, oops. <laughs> so he's sitting on the aisle next to his wife, and he, he slipped out, went to the restroom. When he came back, they were praying, so he just walked down carefully. Now, he knew he had to somehow make it up to his wife. So he, you know, kind of with his eyes closed, came in and put his arm around his wife. And, she, and so he tried to grab her a little harder. And when the prayer was over, it was the girl behind. So I often wonder about it when I come up and put my arm around some people and they're in the middle of a song, what they're thinking, you know. Hey, that's not my husband. He's not here. <laughs> well, you know, God is a wonderful and great God. And he wants us to benefit from being his child. Now, that defined, uh, is defined by different people in different ways. And uh, some have thought, well, once I become a child of God, it's going to be total bliss. My husband's going to love me and take care of me, and, and uh, everything's going to go well, and God's going to protect me from all evil, and you know all these different things, because there are promises in the Bible. And there's definitely, you could grab that. You know, you could figure out, you can say, according to this verse, uh, I, I should never have to worry about thus, or this, or that. And so you, you could form yourself a doctrine of benefits, of all the benefits. You know, there's a, there's a song, count your blessings, name them one by one. And God does want to bless. The problem is, we have skewed and turned things around a little bit, when it comes to God's benefits and his blessings. And we've kind of defined them in the American system as everything is beneficial to you. You'll be healthy and you'll be wise and you'll be financially sound. And, and uh, the more financially sound you are, the more you're blessed by God. And the one who is not financially sound, they really aren't 
full of faith. They're really not receiving all the blessings of God. They're really not getting everything that God. So all the poor uh, middle class people, which is the majority of Americans, are going, oh, I guess I'm not receiving the benefits of it. And so someone will come along and say, well, if you want to have the blessings of God, you need to sow a seed. You send me $1,000. And you'll reap 10 times that. So send me $1,000 and God, you'll be on the train to prosperity. And you may think that sounds crazy, but you know how many Americans have sent in $1,000 in hopes of getting 10000 And they'll have these stories. Oh, I got some here, came just on the air just now. Sold a thousand dollars and reached a hundred thousand dollars. Praise God! Who's next? Who else wants to sell a thousand dollars? Sounds good, but it's it's not from God. It's not from God. You know, Disney uh, put out a film called Aladdin. Some of you may be familiar with it, but I. If I, if I uh, said this was in Genesis and the serpent saying the following, I can open your eyes, take you wonder by wonder, over sideways and under on a magic carpet ride. A whole new world, a fantastic point of view. No one to tell us no. Oops. Or where to go. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. No. Or say, we're only dreaming in a whole new world. But people want to buy that. They want to buy the fact they become a Christian and all things go well. And you know, back in the 1950s, uh, (laughs) when I was growing up, it was a common way of, of presenting the gospel that you come to the Lord and all your cares and trials and everything will be taken away and uh, you'll be full of happiness and full of peace and full of joy. And people who bought into that as the, as the way of salvation were very disappointed, especially when they read the part where Jesus says, blessed are you when you're persecuted. For so persecuted the prophets for you. They persecute me, they'll persecute you. Well, where did I, that was in the contract when I signed up. What do you mean persecution? What do you mean sorrows? <laughs> when sorrows like sea bellows roll for a Christian, and you read through the Psalms, and David's crying out to God. And he's hurting. Well, that's not what I thought. I thought we were just tiptoe through the tulips. You know, like those slow motion things running to your wife. Our marriage is so perfect. She never says a mean word. And he does everything for me. 
without even being asked. He'll even ask for directions. <laughs> you know, th- this is the kind of stuff that uh, people would love to have. Sure, I'd like to sign up for that too. The Bible really teaches that. Now, where does the confusion come in? Well, let's start with what Jesus said in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Uh, The word denotes abundance. Abundant. And so you say, I want to sign up for the abundant. I want to be full uh, of abundance. And the, the psalm says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I went to a Christian college. Christian colleges have some things very unique to them. One of them is that girls oftentimes went there. I don't know if they still do this. I don't think they do anymore, but back in the day, just the turn of the century, uh, they, when they came to college, uh, they came to get themselves a man. And you know, that wasn't stupid. If you want to find yourself somebody who's going to be successful, there's a good chance that a person who go, finishes college is going to have a, a fairly good income. That used to be, that's the way it used to be before they had dot-com stuff and all that. And so... Uh, <laughs> they would have a desire on their heart. Did you see Joe? God's going to give me. He's a desire of my heart. Poor thing, and didn't realize that God didn't tell Joe that. And I prayed to God, and God promised me you. Oh, boy. But that was the desire of their heart. Yeah, that's what God says. Right, right here. I've got it in writing. It's a promise. Well, the only problem when you do that with Scripture is you take things out of context and don't put them in the whole understanding of things. It's called systematic theology. In other words, everything fits within all scriptures will fit within a system of understanding. <clears throat> so you have to have the whole counsel of God. Otherwise, it's... Judas went out and hung himself. Another scripture says, go thou and do likewise. Another scripture says, and whatever you do, do quickly. That church of the hang-ups, you know, that's, that's not going to... That's not fly. You can take scripture and choose any kind of thing that you want to have it teach just by taking out portions that you like to hear. Things that make sense to you. Basically things that build up your thesis, your understanding, and you back it with the scripture. Every time you find one that fits it, you circle underline it, you know, hey, this is it. This this proves my point. So people use the Bible to prove anything they want to prove. 
You know? And so that's not the way you use Scripture. You don't let Scripture prove your case. You let Scripture teach you. It's the one who's the instructor. It's the light unto our paths. It's the one that that teaches all things. See, the problem is the desires of your heart, Psalms. But let's look at what it says in Matthew 15, 19. And here's what it says. For out of the heart, desires of my heart, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault witnesses, blasphemies. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Is that the heart David's talking about in Psalm? Is he talking about the deceitful heart? Is he talking about the heart full of envy, strife, self-indulgence? Is that the heart that God's going to use the desires of? No, because the first of verse says, delight yourself also in the Lord. You've got to put it in perspective. So you can't, you can't go with the problem of getting the desires of your heart because, first of all, you've got to take care of the heart. <laughs> first of all, you need to have, as Daniel was praying, give me a pure heart. Clean my heart, O oh God. Cleanse it. Wash it. Free it from impurity. Then when you have a pure heart and you desire God and you delight in God, then he gives you the desires of your heart. Because what's the desire of your heart? To be in the Lord's presence. To be with him. To have a relationship with him. And so, that changes everything. Some came up with this doctrine. It was very, 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 very strong and popular for many years on the idea of prosperity. And they, and I was with a guy and he says, after all, the Bible says this, and concerning the work of my hands, you command me. Well, what's that sound like? It sounds like you take the Bible and you say, okay, God, give me a magic carpet ride. Give me a brand new Cadillac. No, Ferrari. No, why not a... Just command me. Yeah, McLaren. Okay, we know what you've been doing. See, people will fall right into the trap every time. Uh, pray specifically, color. What options do you want? It. You command God. Do you know what that verse really says? Same words. Same words. And concerning the work of my hands, you command me? You command me? Am I not the one who made heaven and earth? Am I not the one who did that? You're commanding me? That's what it says. It says, who do you think you are that you're trying to command God? Not command me. Please command me. I don't know what else to do. Just come and give me some commands. 
tell me what to do. Whatever your wish is, I shall make it come true. No. You don't command God. You don't tell God what to do. Well, I, I, I'm just telling him what to do according to a scripture. I mean, you know, I'm using the scripture when I do it. Well, I'm glad that you want to use the scripture, but you better make sure the scripture is saying what you are making it say, because if you're making it say something that's not saying, whoops, part of this prosperity teaching was no one should be sick. Some of the greatest teachers in that should be sick. We all should be, by his stripes we are healed. Don't you know by his stripes we're healed? And we are. But not physically. What did his stripes prove to us? He suffered on the cross for what? That we might be saved. The torturous death on the cross was a sacrifice for us, for what we had done wrong. No, that doesn't go to physical healing. Well, it says in the scripture, God, Jesus healed everybody. Actually, it doesn't say Jesus healed everybody. There were times when Jesus healed everybody. It will say, and he healed them all. See, right there. You know, (laughs) there's a scripture Paul says, he that has stole, steal no more. Rather work with your hands. Now listen to it in the prosperity way. He that has stole, steal. No more work with your hands. See, if you're, if you're a thief, that, you know, it says right here, he has stole, steal. If you stole, steal. Don't work with your hands. Oops. That's not what the scripture says. But just have to change a little bit here, a little bit there. And when Satan was tempting Jesus, he kept quoting him scripture. <laughs> Pretty interesting. What, what is this whole thing about? Well, it would be marvelous. It would be wonderful. By the way, does God miraculously heal? Yes. There's a point in my life been a long life. There's a point in my life when I was buying into a doctrine of a well-known Bible teacher who <clears throat> said that the gifts, especially the sign gifts, had ceased and that were, they're no longer needed in the time that we're living. They were needed at, at the beginning when they were establishing the word and establishing the church, but now they were no longer needed. And uh, so you could pray for people that are sick and kill them. But, uh, you know, basically, there is no gift of healing, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I kind of bought into that. Then uh, God called me to a little church in Orange. What I thought was at least 35 people turned out to be about 15 people because they invited everybody they knew for the Sunday that I was speaking there, you know. 
And uh, so, you know, we're starting from scratch. We, we literally lived inside the church facilities at the beginning. Didn't have money to pay us. But I, f- I really felt God called me there, and he did. He called me there. And God began to do miracles. <clears throat> miracles. One right after another. And I'm just kind of going, okay, I've not done this before. I don't have a manual on it or anything else. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> one, of the, one of the cases in point. Somebody challenged me. Have you ever prayed that God would send out his angels to fight, to bring somebody who wants to come to church, but always there's an excuse why they can't come? I said, no, I haven't done that. So I never thought about asking God to do anything with his angels. He says, why don't you just try it? So I did. Saturday night. I said, Father, I don't know how this all works, but if there's somebody struggling, needs to come to church, send your angels out to fight against Satan, trying to not get them to come to church, trying to keep them from coming to church. Next morning was Sunday morning, Sunday morning. I go to church and uh, in walks a family, mother, father, and two middle school kids. Now, anybody who came knew, we knew anyway, because there wasn't that many. But it was very obvious when they sat in the second row, because our church started about the fourth row back. I don't know if I spit or what it was, but nobody sat up front. Maybe I was too, I don't know. I probably was. They were sat there. And I'm preaching and I'm teaching and God laid on my heart to, to say what God's benefits are, just like we're talking about now in some ways. And uh, this, one of these middle school kids was just watch me wherever I went, because I move around. One lady came to church and said, I'm going to nail your shoes to the ground so you can't move. Uh, <laughs> But everywhere I went, he's just following me. Just follow. I mean, he was right on looking at me so intently. And when you're a pastor and a middle school kid's doing that, you're thinking, what, what's causing him to look at me? I mean, I was, it was kind of disconcerting all the way through the sermon. And we got to the end and we closed. And at that particular time, we do what we've done here oftentimes. We had a prayer room. I said, if you want prayer for anything, just go on back to the prayer room. So I went out to greet the people. And uh, I trained my elders to pray with people. And one of the elders come out and they go, hey, Dave, Dave. I said, yes. He says, we got something we can't handle. I said, well, God can handle anything. But they just felt overwhelmed. I said, there's a kid back there. He's deaf. And he's come to be healed. Well, let me see. That's what I want to do. I didn't do that. Because as the pastor, you have to go, okay. <laughs> so I, I went back to the room. And here's just the same kid that was following me. He was reading my lips. That's why he didn't lose t- attention to me one time. He was hearing the sermon through watching what I was saying. Nora says, watch what you say. Well, that's what he was doing. Anyway, 
<clears throat> so came for prayer. So I thought, okay, I'm, he's come to the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. So I, I laid my hands on him, and I, I said, dear God, please, if it be your will to just touch this young man, heal him, please, please do so. And then I stepped back and said, can you hear? And he goes, so I thought, well, I'd watched some television preachers. And, uh, and they would do this. They'd go up to the person who's deaf and they'd stick the fingers in the ears. And they'd go, spirit of deafness, come out! So, <laughs> I tell you, I, I was desperate. So I stuck my fingers in his ear and he's going, I went, spirit of deafness, come out! He goes, what are you yelling about? I said, can you hear me? He says, yeah, I can hear you. Now I want to tell you, that's not the method. God, God did that. He could have done it a hundred different ways. But he was, he was teaching me to strive to figure out something and don't give up. Just keep on praying. That kid could hear. So our people were so full of faith that when he came out, they came behind him. So he, he, he couldn't see him. They go, can you hear me? They say, yeah. He said to me, he says, how can people keep coming behind me and ask if I can hear? Is it kind of disconcerting to him? He didn't understand. I said, because um, they were just testing. You see, God still does miracles. But it's not up to me. It's up to him. It's God that does those kind of things. So yes, yes, that still exists. Healing still exists. I want you to know healing still exists. I can tell you story after story. We had people coming to church saying, my friend at work wants us to pray for him. And they come back the next week and they say, she was healed. We prayed for her on Wednesday and she was healed. Yes, that, that happened. Those things happened. God still does healing. But does he heal everybody? Let me give you an example. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul says, this reason, because people are not taking the Lord's Supper seriously, not honoring it, not doing it righteously, many are sick among you, and some have died. The penalty mistake supper. I suppose we record that scripture before we took communion or maybe people wouldn't go back. I don't know. But that's really what happened. Now, let me ask a question. If God is in the teaching somebody by sending them something, do you think you asking God to heal them before the problems taken care of is going to work? If they haven't repented yet, if they still are doing wrong, do you think God's going to say, okay, I'll heal them? No, that's not his will. Not going to be healed. Not everybody is going to be healed. Does that mean you should never pray for somebody? No. Do I pray for people 
to get saved? Yeah. Do I know everybody's going to get saved? No. Do I know which ones are to get saved? That'd be nice. I'll see. Oh, you want to get saved. I'll pray for you. We don't know that. We pray for, don't we pray for everybody? Don't we want everybody to be saved? Yeah, we know brought us away that leads to destruction. We know that not everybody's going to receive the Lord. We know that's true. But that stop us from praying for them. So you are to be a minister of God. You should pray. But this idea that everything you touch turns to gold, that because you're a person of faith, everything happens. You see, if you have seed like a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and it shall be done. Anything you ask in my name, I will do it. Those are actual scriptures. They're really scriptures. But are they within the classification of all scripture? No. They're singular scriptures. So you got to take it all together. And here's the point. It's all about your attitude. In Psalm 51.10 it says, Create in me a new, clean heart, O God. Filled with clean thoughts and right desires. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever new. Cleanse me, clean me, free me. Give me the desires. Let me think your thoughts after you. When your heart is right, your desires are right, God is going to give you the desires because he put them there. God placed desires in your heart and he put them there. So naturally he's going to follow through on them. Philippians 4, 11 and 12. I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. (laughs) Paul says I've had a lot. I've had nothing. I've had feasts and I've gone hungry. But this one thing I know, that no matter what my circumstances are, I'll be content. I'll be content no matter what the circumstances are. The circumstances aren't what tells me how to be at peace and have contentment. No matter what. For the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. For the joy... Let me tell you something. That going on the cross and the torturous death that was there, you wouldn't consider that very joyous, would you? I've got the joy, joy, joy. No. Those don't mix. But circumstances don't determine your peace with God, your joy with God. H.G. Spafford, who wrote, It is well with my soul who lost his four daughters, drowned at sea. When peace, like a river, attends my soul. When the sorrows, like the sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. No matter what the circumstances are, it is well with my soul. 
everything's not going to go the way you think it's going to go. And there are disappointments, and there's sadness, there's loss, there's all kinds of things. Now, when I say that, I must also tell you that some of the greatest joys, some of the greatest elation that you have in your life comes from God also. We call those mountaintop experiences where you can barely keep your feet on the ground because God has just filled you so much full of his love and joy and peace. There's been times I've just, the tears just start running down my face from the immense sense of God's presence. So wonderful, so fantastic, so glorious. But I've had tears run down my face because of sadness too. Because of loss. See, the abundant life includes abundance in sorrow and abundance in joy. The highs are higher and the lows are lower. You sense, you feel, you're more alive than ever. And God gives you the strength. He's the one who does all those things. Matthew, in Matthew 6, it says, Jesus says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and venom destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and venom do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. Lay for yourselves treasures in heaven You see, we're all going to have the crown of life. And you're going to have jewels in your crown. Well, some of you. I think I'll have coal in mine. But but God's going to reward those. There's going to come a time when he judges all the things that you've done, all your works, whether they're wood, hay, and stubble or burned up, or if they're precious stone, gold. And that's where he says you should be laying up your treasure. Because down here, it doesn't work that good. It's like that guy became a multi-millionaire. And he said, when I die, I want you to take all that money I have, put it in gold, and I want you to bury me with it. Because wherever I'm going, I want that gold to go with me. He wasn't a Christian, by the way. So he gets to heaven, they said, What'd you bring up all this pavement for? What does it gain if you gain the whole world? What, what happens if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What does that do? All the things and riches of this world can produce. What gain is that in eternity? You've got to think eternally, not just momentarily. 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And I've heard people say, don't, don't pray if you will it, if it's your will. Don't pray that. Just be confident and pray for whatever you want to have happen. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says pray according to his will. Not my will, but your will be done. 
And so you don't start bypassing things because they don't seem to fit. No, it says anything according to his will. He puts it on your heart. People don't understand this. When you have that unction, when you have that feeling, when you have that sense, some thought that you should do something and you know it wasn't from you. (laughs) Guess where it's from? There's only two places it can come from. Satan or God. If there's joy and peace with it, it's from God. So if God speaks to you, go in boldness. Do it. Have you ever said, uh, I, I, I thought I should give Joan a call. Then do it. Why do you think that came on your heart? Why do you think that thought crossed your mind? God's saying, call him. You know, we get so shy about that stuff. Just do what God lays on your heart to do. Follow his will. 1 John 3.22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. (laughs) You're doing what God wants you to do. Guess what? He's going to feed that. He's going to bless that. And I want you to understand this. I'm not saying that being poor is what God wants you to be. That's not true. I'm not saying God wants everybody to be rich. I'm not saying that either. We'll have both. It's all about stewardship, however. With what you're given, what do you do? Story of the talents in the Bible. And the master gives these talents to these people. And he comes back and asks for an accounting. What did you do with the talent I gave you? Stewardship. There was a famous industrialist who used to give 90% of his income. 90% of his income. He, he backed, he did the exact opposite. The Bible says give 10, he gave 90% of his income. Why? Because it wasn't his. And to have the Lord have need of it, he gave it. And he didn't give it grudgingly, or because he had to. He gave because his heart desired to do that. God gave him a heart of desire to do that. He gave millions and millions and millions of dollars away. He had to give. And the widow gave a mite. Gave a penny, let's say, gave a penny. And God turns to the disciples and says, this woman has given more than everybody else has walked into the temple. Everybody was giving their gift, but she gave her last penny. God said, she's given more than everybody else. God's economy is different. It's not how much you have. It's where's your heart and your attitude and your stewardship. You know, I, I, I think the reason that uh, uh, I've never won Reader's Digest It's because God knows I couldn't handle it. Money burns a hole right through my pocket. It's it's terrible. I mean, better than I was. Okay, almost. But to whom much is given, what does the scripture say? 
Much is required. To who is given much, much is required from them. Stewardship. Stewardship. First Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and says, Men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdrawal. The ones who say, I'm godly, you can tell by the wealth I have. I've got five planes, voices, four mansions, and I'm just the usher. Not anymore. <laughs> no. You know, listing off all these things. See how spiritual I am? See how great I am? See how much God has blessed me? And if you can have it too. And you can have it too. Whenever you start hearing that kind of thing, that because you're godly, you're going to get all the blessings. Well, you do get blessings, just not the way you think. You know, you'd be surprised how much God blesses in other than financial ways. Paul, I mean, Peter tells the pastor, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing and God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest game, but eager to serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, what does it say? You've got to become the servant of all. How in the world does that translate to being rich, wealthy, having every desire that you want? You see, God will provide everything that you need not everything you want. I mean, I want to be 175 pounds. But that isn't what's provided me. You know, I want to be 25 again. That's now reality. No matter how many times I demand of God, make me 25, ain't going to happen. You see, that's not God's will. God's will is that I grow old. You too, by the way. <laughs> some, some of you grow old better than others, but we're all going to get there if we live. You see, it's not about what you want. It's about what are your needs and contentment, being content with whatever God gave you. My mother once, she used to love to go to these uh, new home shows. Now I'll close with this these new home shows and see all the ways they decorate and so forth and so on. And one day she said, I can't go anymore. I said, really? Why? Why not? She says, because I've gotten to the point now where I'm envious of seeing those things. And that's not in our budget. We, we couldn't, we can't do that. It's nice. Got a dishwasher or do your laundry and dry cleaning, wash all the pots and pans and put them away. But I can't afford that. They got all kinds of new gadgets, new things. They got this thing called a garbage disposal. 
used you as that, but now you're gone. And, <clears throat> but became envious, began to lust, began to desire stuff that she knew she couldn't have. What was it? She wasn't content with what she had. You need to be content in whatever situation you are. Be content. If you don't have contentment, then you don't have great gain. The Bible says that with contentment, you have great gain. Be thankful. Be content with whatever you have. Not always striving for something else. Not looking to be rich. Not any of those things. I would love it if God took away all our pain. Took away everything. So we all, we're perfectly healthy all the time. That'd be wonderful. That's the way it works. Paul was given a, a thorn in the flesh. And he said there was a reason behind it. And there was. You see, we have to learn that whatever God has for us, we gladly accept. And if he gives us wealth, it's not for you. It's to serve others. He gives you wealth so that you can be a blessing to others. And by the way, I've noticed this, that those people who do that, they never seem to end up lacking any of God's supply. You know, they give, and then there's more. And they give, and there's more. And they give, and there's more. It's amazing. God prospers them. Why? Because they've got the right attitude. Not because they deserve it. I deserve it. No, I'll tell you what you deserve and you don't want to hear it. <laughs> Billy Graham, tremendous evangelist, wonderful guy, has gone home to be with the Lord. Robert Schuler with the great Chris Cathedral down in California who led many to Christ who others would never had the opportunity to do. Oral Roberts, uh, a leader in the charismatic movement, they all died. They're all in heaven. And Satan hadn't learned his lesson from Job. Remember he said, God says, look at my servant Job, there's no one like him on the earth. He said, that's because you've given him everything, you protect him, you put a hedge about him, so forth and so on. So Satan goes to God and says, just give me three days with Billy Graham and Robert Schuller and Oral Roberts. Give me three days. Just bring them down to hell for three days to see if they still want to serve you. Two and a half days later, Satan's back up and he says, would you please get them out of there? Billy Graham's having revival down there and people are coming left and right to Jesus. Oral Roberts is healing everybody in sight. And Robert Schumer's rate a million dollars for air conditioning already. <laughs> well, God does want you to be blessed. God does want you to enjoy abundance. God does want you to have joy and peace. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, God wants you to be content. Yes, He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to feel his blessings. Yes, 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 yes. But don't expect to be a billionaire. Could happen. 
Who knows? God has his own ways. But it's not a doctrine. It's not in the Bible that you will be a millionaire, a billionaire, a trillionaire. It's not there. So that's another one of the white lies. God just wants me to have everything I want. No, no, no. No, no, no. Denise has me as a husband. She didn't get everything she wanted. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I'm not sure what she did as a child, but whatever it was, she got stuck with me, so. Father in heaven, we do thank you. You're a great God, a wonderful God, abundant God, and you do give us abundant life. You sure didn't promise a rose garden. You sure didn't promise everything's going to be tiptoeing through the tulips. You sure didn't promise that everything's going to go our way. But you did promise peace, joy, comfort, and contentment. You did promise the things that are important. You're our shepherd and we shall have want of nothing, the scripture says. You will provide everything that we need. Everything that we need. We thank you for that. Keep us corrected. Keep us in the right way. Give us a clean heart. Give us a pure heart. Give us a heart that desires and pants after you like a deer does for water. And Father, if somebody here does not know you this morning, has not accepted the wonderful gift that you've offered of salvation, I pray that they will go back to the prayer room and take care of that. If somebody's here and they've been waning and, they're, and they've kind of gotten cold and no longer have a heart for you, I pray that they'll go back and have a renewed spirit. They'll go back and be in, filled with your spirit, become on fire for you. And I pray for anybody that has needs this morning that they won't be afraid to go back and ask for prayer. Give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, because you're worthy to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen.